Hey everybody, welcome to the Five for Five podcast. We're here once again on the show where we play for pointless points and pointless prizes. How are you doing today, Mike? I'm great, Panchito. How are you doing? I'm excited. It's the last regular episode of this season before the finale. Yeah, it's actually the last episode of the time period from 1920 to 1925. It is. That means that it's time for the results of a vote right yep i'm definitely ready to do this so as always we take a tally of the votes from our bazillion listeners that we have out there and we get results to see who won the time period and you'll never guess what happened Mike. i i couldn't believe it i'm flabbergasted myself it was a tie once again i don't know how this keeps happening i don't know people are gonna start thinking this is you know it's not rigged I promise you it's not rigged. It's just a miraculous thing. I think so. But that means that we each get to share a little bit of a story. We'll do what? A couple of short ones, right? Yeah, I say let's keep it two short ones. It's going to be good. Awesome. So what do you think? Should we get into it right after this? I'm ready if you are. Sounds good. All right, everybody, over the quick little break here, Mike and I did a coin toss to see who was going to get to go first. I had tails. I had heads, and the result was heads. That means I get to go first. I'm going to give a quick little summary of a quick little story that I found from 1922. Let's go for it, man. I'm ready to hear that story. All right, so here's a breakdown. This story is from 1922, and it comes from Maine, a small town in Maine, and it's about this guy who is actually going around, and he is trying to cash fraudulent checks. Oh, man, that's shady. So believe it or not, the whole thing is done over a matter of $12.50. Okay. And this guy, his name is Joseph. He's gone out of his way to make a check that replicates a check artistically from a local bank. And he goes to four establishments in a row, three of which he gets rejected at. He's made the check out to himself for the amount, and he's signed it using a different signature and has endorsed it with his own writing and everything. So it looks like two people wrote the check. Yeah. He goes through these three places and either tries to get merchandise for it at these first three places or cash. And he finally goes to this building. It's a Masonic building. And he talks to a clerk there. And what happens is he manages to trade the clerk the check for a certain amount of goods. And then the clerk actually keeps the check and gives him the difference in cash. And then this guy, Joseph, makes off with X amount of product plus the difference in cash from the $12.50 fake check that he wrote. Wow. So that's pretty much how the story goes. But what I like about this is kind of how simple this whole thing is. That guy is definitely an old school 1920 shyster. Right. Uh, there's that movie, Catch Me If You Can. Yeah, definitely. That was in the 60s. Yeah, I mean, that's the 1960s, but this guy's going way back. I mean, the 20s, come on. Well, it had to have been easier back then, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, the amount of like ways that people could uh, try and validate who you are and how whether or not you had the funds were so limited compared to now. I don't think it was a thing to check ID, right? I don't think so. I mean, it seems logical today, but I don't think so. I think the honor system was a big deal back then. Especially in a small town? Oh, yeah, especially in a small town, huh? You think he had trouble duplicating the check? Yes. Really? Even I, well, back then? I mean, when I say trouble, I mean just probably like it was, he probably went to great tedium. Oh, he put work into it. Yeah. Because like, it's still a banknote. Exactly. Right? And, and I think that's that's why I say that. But $12.50? Uh, that was the equivalent of $179.71 in today's money. Worth it? 
Well, did the guy get held accountable for any of it? No, that's the thing. He's kind of scot-free, right? Yeah. The only person who's going to have to really deal with the problem is that clerk. That's true. That Masonic clerk. Right. That sucks for him. Because he gave him cash, too. Yeah, that guy, they're, they're out money. Plus whatever product. I don't know what product they would have at the Masonic building. I mean... Mason tools? Yeah, that's all I can think of. But yeah, that's, that's you know, I guess it's almost 200 bucks. I mean, gosh. It's a little, bit of, little bit of scratch. A little bit of scratch. I mean, gosh, it seems, even by today's standard, it seems petty. Uh-huh. I mean, you would have thought that he's going around town going for a few thousand dollars. But what's the equivalent crime, though, right? Because back then, it was just essentially that he had to have the note, and then he had to be able to write in two different handwritings, and yeah. then go tell a story. Um, I would say just right off the top of my head, identity theft. Okay. So like modern day identity theft, I think is, is a really good way of uh, equating a, a modern analog to that or like a modern equivalent. I see. Like the check part itself doesn't carry over. But yeah, not Faking so much. he's somebody else or faking somebody else gave him a check. Yeah. You, you know, a lot of ways, uh, something that a lot of people are trained in, in, especially that work in like call centers and like banking jobs is uh, something called social engineering. Okay. So basically social engineering is when somebody has gone in and like gotten information about you and then calls into like the bank trying to pretend to be you. Does that make sense? Oh, I see. Like they're en- re-engineering your persona based on like a bunch of random data points that they get from you. Right, exactly. Maybe it's uh, your credit card history. Maybe they got, they already hacked your credit card, like your um, your MasterCard account, you know, whoever that bank it's with. And then what they do is then they try to call in and they'll try and organize like some kind of a wire, right, to like a foreign bank. And then next thing you know, you're out a couple thousand dollars and it's gone to Zimbabwe. The one that gets me is when they do things like that and they manage to get more money than is on your credit card or in your account. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? That one I've still ne- never been able to figure out. Do you think it's like advances or like especially on a credit card they're like, well, okay, you've gone over your limit. We'll just extend it and give you, well, it's not really an advance, would it? It'd be like an extension of credit. Well, it feels as though maybe they're doing multiple transactions at once or something like that Mm. joseph couldn't have done it because he literally had to go store to store yeah well i think for if depending on the bank account right if it's done with like a debit card Uh uh they are just overdrafting the account right and then eventually the bank will cut off the identity thief at some point maybe that was part of joseph's ploy is the fact that he chose a smaller amount right like he purposely went in knowing if i went in with this petty amount there's a high likelihood i can get away with it right he stays under the radar or something like that i i could see that as plausible definitely plus i'm sure they're going to be able to identify him how many stores are in this town and then people are going to start saying they saw the same check for 1250 right people talk it cracks me up though because they hand him back the check and everything and we're like no right this doesn't work for us and then they just kick him out yeah, which is, it's so funny because it's so like different than how it would be handled today. Well, yeah, because we can scan a check or we can, you know, uh, swipe the maker. You know what I mean? This yeah. is way before maker encoders, right? Right. Big time. Way long before. I don't exactly know when those encoders were brought into the market, but yes, we're talking a long time. Yeah, I think that it really probably just came down to like watermarks or logos and things like that on the check itself, right? I would say that would probably be the case. Well, scot free with twelve fifty for Joseph, huh? Hundred and seventy some odd dollars in today's money. <laughs> he's not rich, but he's scot free. He's scot free, man. And have, with some Masonic tools. With some Masonic tools to boot, which maybe he sold and got even more money. That's true. Yeah. What a hustler. He is. He's a hustler and a, a go-getter, too, because that took, I think, a lot of effort for the payoff. And a lot of nerve. 
Yes. The chutzpah on that guy. Yeah. <laughs> well, Mike, we probably got enough time left in the first half to get into your story. And then if you want, we can talk about it in the second half. Let's do it. All right. What you got for me? So I've got an article that comes from 1921. So not too far from yours. The actual events take place in Cincinnati, Ohio. Okay. Um, so it's a wireless telephone outfit is actually what they describe it as, but really I would say a wireless telephone device is, is, is I think the proper terminology that doctors could add to their cars was manufactured. Okay. So it was like essentially a wireless device. Okay. Okay. For communication um, so that they could take emergency calls and it would work within a five mile radius of their office. Back then, it was the last word in automobile accessories, and it could be added to the vehicle for only 50 bucks in, in that time's money, which is about almost just a hair under $800 in today's money. Not cheap. Not cheap, no. But not out of reach for a doctor. Right. And it basically was pretty revolutionary, if you think about it, because of what it allowed local doctors to do in a, in a big city like Cincinnati. You could theoretically get in contact with a lot of patients. I think that sounds crazy. 1921, some sort of wireless mobile communication device? Yeah. Do you know what the technology was? No, I don't. It was just pre-cellular, and it was it was very vague on the technical details. That trips me out because I'm wondering who, what you'd have to have equipment-wise to send or receive a call on the other end. For what little technical detail they did give, uh, it involves completely wiring. Like, they actually were running, like, wires around the car, pretty much. Oh, my much. gosh. Yeah. Like a mobile antenna? Yeah, pretty much. And it was all over particular components all over the car, and that allowed it to receive this wireless signal from the doctor's office to this to the vehicle as long as it was within a five mile circular radius. Wow. Yeah, isn't that it's pretty it's fascinating, isn't it? Yeah, that gives me a lot of ideas. Yeah, I think so, man, because that was super forward thinking stuff. Should we what do you think? Take the time to pick that apart in the second half? I love it. Let's go for it. Let's get into it right after this. Nice. This is Evita from Flying Blind Podcast. You're listening to the 5 for 5 podcast with Panchito and Mike. Subscribe, like, love, and follow us at Zwerk Media. At Z-W-E-R-C Media. Did you get it? Good. Okay, everybody, we're back for the second half. And Mike brought in this mysterious little story about uh, 1921 technology. Yeah, this mysterious wireless technology that allowed doctors to wirelessly communicate with their patients from their automobiles. So one of the last things we talked about before we went on the break was the premise that you sort of, they would wrap the vehicle in wire and stuff. Yeah. The first thing that comes to my mind when I hear that is that that's equivalent to like having your car with a hotspot now. Exactly. But like way back in 1921. The battery power must have been an issue though. Oh, it must have been gnarly as far as the draw, right? You know, it's funny, though. They were talking about clear audio even in the beginning 
of uh, remember how we were talking about 1923 in the previous article about radio coming out? Uh huh. You know, and they they would comment about how it would come in clearly. Right. Well, maybe it's just because they didn't really know what clear audio was. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. I thought about that after the fact that what is clear to them. Yeah, it was all relative. I mean, right now we might be saying that we get great audio and all of this stuff, but we're dealing with a lot of digital audio and it's chopped up waveforms. It's not pristine audio. No, you're right. It's true. It's 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 molested quite a bit. But, you know, people will justify the science. It's a trip, though, because if you do compare that technology to, like, mobile hotspot or whatever, it took us a long time to come back around to that, right? Well, yeah. I mean... I don't know if you're familiar with the history of cellular technology, but I mean, cellular technology was something that we were, uh, that was ready to go to market as early as bef- just, just around the end of World War II. Uh-huh. The predecessors to the mobile technologies that we know today have been available since that far back. But, you know, the thing is, is that, um, you know, that, and that's a whole other conversation, but basically the, the federal government pretty much had a, had a hold over cellular technology for almost 70 years. Uh-huh. And so you, that's why, what's one of the reasons why we didn't really see um, the advent of cellular technology until the early 1980s. I'm curious, so if this was more like CB or something or some kind of like wideband or something. You know, the way that it was being described in the article, it sounded like it was wideband. Uh-huh. It really, it kind of came off like that to me, like if not like some kind of predator, like precursor to wideband. Yeah, because it sounds like they're trying to make some kind of conduction or something like that with the w- wire coiling and stuff like that, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's just amazing how the, the just the thought that, that they would actually try and engineer something like that back then. It's just amazing to me. I like that they thought of it in a practical sense, though. Right. It's to get the doctor talking to people. That's fantastic. And then they would just have to have like a hub, somebody receiving. Right. Or waiting for calls on the other end, maybe like a patch person. Right, right. Like it's like basically they didn't go into any explanation at all on how it's even configured on the home base like like the the infrastructure of it right like who knows maybe there's like a little micro tower that's in that's in your office oh i could see that like in the actual doctor's office right or on top of the office right that somebody's on the top floor of the doctor's office or something or somebody just connected to an antenna on the top of the doctor's office and then as they get calls they're dispatching essentially yeah the doctor to where they need to go sending them an address or something i feel like food delivery could have been a thing with that yeah that could have been the original uh postmates or something right right like og postmates Uh (laughs) uh-huh that's crazy old-timey postmates way old-timey yeah see snack time yeah i wish i i could think of like old-timey food but i I can't like i I saw the same pretty much same foods right yeah i think so unless you're uh going out and having whiskey and beer and ice cream and (laughs) right so what do you think why did it take us so long then to get from that 20s coil wrap car all the way to like a Wi-Fi hotspot on your Ford uh, Explorer? Um, there was a lot of stuff in between, right? CB radios and all CB that? radios. Uh, I mean, let's, let's not also discount too the advances in, in television radio, the, the, the radio signal and spectrum that, that involved getting television to a TV and then high definition television. Yeah, you can get HD over an antenna now. Right, and you can get HD audio over an antenna. Yeah, HD radio and everything. Correct, yeah. It's all based on something called wireless spectrum. Well, these guys definitely had a pretty good grip on that stuff early on then. 
Yeah, they really did. And, you know, the thing that was beautiful about it was that there was nothing uh, regulating the use of it. So all frequencies were available. It was like a, a frequency playground. So that was interesting to me about this time period in general. Yeah. If we want to kind of switch gears to that. Right. Uh, it seemed like even though a lot of the inventions and the things and the companies that we talked about, too, that sort of came to be 100 years ago in 1920 something, they have a heavy amount of relevance today, right? It's true. I mean, Rubbermaid, uh, all of the candy companies and food companies that we talked about and uh-huh. all of that, like their original ideas still hold water. The passenger plane. They're, it's true. They're leaders of their industry, you know, the, those initial players. How do you guess something right that far ahead, Mike? Uh, I think that you have to constantly strive to be an innovator. You, It's not resting on your laurels, right? Whatever a laurel is. Just don't rest on it. Just don't rest on it. Like uh-huh. you, you have to accept and acknowledge what what ground you broke, but know that that's just the the beginning of it. But the whole idea, I think, though, of getting that people are gonna need something for yeah. a long time, that's fascinating to me. Yeah, and I think it's also having an understanding of what what your technology is right and knowing what it is that you're offering to people or if it's not a technology a service you think that's a trend right now that we sort of design new inventions to a premise whereas before we would sort of invent a whole new premise that's a really good question um yeah i think there's some truth in that because like this is going to sound a little uh, a little negative but I'll, i'll say i don't think we think as big as we used to well we are so gadget heavy now right yeah and i think it's almost made us a little too um product reliant right like how many versions of a phone case can you design right how many different ways of selling a uh, a product can you can you come up with? Yeah, you know the the idea of e-commerce was a massive idea to me, but now everyone's doing it, and in a bazillion different ways, and in a bazillion different ways, and it seems like too large of a percentage of it works. Right, but at what point are we going to settle on the way to do it, or say here's a breakthrough? in it yes this is the new revolution from now on we should be looking like this are we just are we have we not hit that point yet are we just like in this wild west moment right now i don't know but a hundred years ago we seemed to kind of have our finger on it a little bit with some of the stuff that we were seeing coming to fruition right yes i agree with that point um i have my i have my own theories as to why but i mean it's definitely it's definitely interesting why do you think it was then government regulation oh i see as soon as we started inventing things, we needed rules. Yeah. And especially in that period of time between the 1920s and 1940s, Uncle Sam really liked asserting a lot of control over things. Yeah. Um, especially if they were things that had a lot of commercial and industrial military use. So Uncle Sam was very much into the idea of cellular technology. Um, so it became very cost prohibitive for a lot of new players to enter into the game once Uncle Sam got into the idea, which in a lot of ways inhibits ideas. Well, we talked a lot about like the first radio station in this time period. Right, right. But it wasn't necessarily the first radio station. It was the first federally recognized radio station. Right. And that has significance. Definitely. But so does the fact that we were doing it unregulated before. Exactly. It was a wild west. Uh-huh. What's interesting now is the fact is is that all wireless technology in the United States is still federally regulated. So you think that causes a little bit of a dam in the flow? It, it adds cost. And when you add cost to anything, you 
to some degree inhibit the amount of ideas I can contribute to the greater goal. I can see that. Red tape is expensive. Yes, that's my point exactly. You hit it right on the nose. So then what's next? How do we break through that? Well, we have to come to a crossroads, especially right now, depending depending on what people's sides are. The internet and all things that are wireless are kind of, it's still a wild west, but people are, are realizing we're at a point. Do we assert more government control or do we allow it to continue to be this wild west experiment and see where we are after the dust settles if it ever does? It makes you wonder what they're going to be talking about in the next hundred years about what we did in 2020, right? They're definitely going to look back on it and be like, whoa. I think that we're going to look back in like honestly 10 to 15 year increments and, and see stark differences. We do it with the 90s right now. Think about it. I mean, that was, you know, not even really 30 years ago and it, it seems like a whole other dimension. Yeah, we talk about it like the last forever ago. My wife and I watch ER and watching that show and seeing the differences in time, it's like it's so weird. It's like this parallel universe because I remember it. I remember things being like that. So it's familiar, but it's not familiar anymore. Yeah, it's not the world outside, but it's something that you know. I I know and I remember it being tangible and real. Yeah. It's crazy. Well, either way, it's going to be fun to watch moving forward. Yeah, it definitely is. I I really enjoyed the directions we went with in, in, in this conversation. Yeah, 20 to 25 ended up being really fruitful for us, I think. The old-timey stuff really produces a lot of gold. Well, speaking of gold, I know we're going to have a gold star finale, and everybody's really curious to find out what we're going to do with that this season. It's that time, folks. I mean, finale time is here. Yep. So what do you think? Should we let everybody know what we're going to do right after the break? Yeah, I think I think they deserve it. Okay, stay tuned for the teaser. We'll be right back. Sounds good. This is Evita from Flying Blind Podcast. You're listening to the 5 for 5 podcast with Panchito and Mike. Okay, everybody, we're back for the reveal of what's going to happen on the season two finale of the show with the pointless points and the pointless prizes. But the journey through history is priceless. So this time on this season, we cover 1920 to 1925. Right. 1945 to 1950. Right. And 1975 to 1980. Right. And we had some doozies. Yes, we did. We'd had some really funny stories. But what you as audience don't know, you as the listeners, is that we also reject quite a bit of stories. We keep a vault. That's right. A wonderful treasure of stories that are sometimes a little bit wacky and or just flat out silly. Yeah. Sometimes a little controversial, maybe. Yeah. So what we decided to do for a finale is to go ahead and share content from that vault. We're taking you inside, folks. This is a behind-the-scenes look at the craziness that uh, goes into the research we do for this show. That's right. It's a lot of work to get you the 5 for 5 podcast. But it's all worth it. It's priceless. That's right. So we want you all to come back for the finale. It'll be out and include some craziness from behind the scenes from the special hidden put away super secret vault. The vault episode. That's right. Coming up next time on the finale of 5 for 5. Be ready, folks. 
If you haven't already, subscribe, like, love, and follow us at Zwerk Media. That's right, folks, at Z-W-E-R-C Media. Mike, I'm looking forward to the finale. Thanks for a great season two. Thanks, Panchito. Season two has been a blast. I look forward to many, many more productions and many, many more funny, funny adventures with the 5 for 5 podcast. Awesome. All right. We'll see you all in the next one. Thanks. Peace out.